0: Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in today. And I'm joined today via the phone, Pastor Porter Graves. Pastor Porter, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great, brother. It's good to hear your voice and good to be on the program with you.
0: Good to hear your voice also. Thank you for joining me. Pastor Porter Graves, we'll get into this, but he's originally from Harrisonburg in the Shenandoah Valley, but he's currently the lead pastor of Bridgeway Church of the Nazarene in Beaufort, North Carolina. Pastor Porter, a little teaser there, I kind of gave it away, but go ahead and start out by telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Well, I'm from the Valley of Virginia,
1: right there in the heart of the valley in Harrisonburg, and grew up there, was reared there, went to school at Bridgewater College, just down to the south there of Harrisonburg. Graduated there, met my wife over in Charlottesville, but we lived in Harrisonburg for several years after we were married. So. We always consider Harrisonburg really our kind of sending church, sending home area in our original mission field. And uh, we ended up in Beaufort because the Lord opened the door, walked us through the door, <laughs> and sent us down here back in 2006. So for about the past 13 years now, we've been um, just blessed to be down here to minister and to bring good news to the people of the Crystal Coast. And uh, it's just been a joy ever since. We do miss our home folks and our family back there in Virginia, but occasionally we get back to see everybody. So uh we send our love, of course, to everyone that's there in Harrisonburg.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Brother Porter. And I'm just going to go back a little bit. You mentioned that you grew up in Rockingham County in the Shenandoah Valley, and even attended locally at Bridgewater College. Talk about when did you grow up going to church, and maybe your earliest memories of that? Yeah. Well, I re, I do remember,
1: of course, we were part of another church family there in Harrisonburg for most of my childhood into my teen years. And um, around 1983, 84, you know, I had graduated into their youth program and kind of got more exposure to church as I grew older. But through our family, you know, church was a regular part of our experience. And so, you know, Sunday mornings and our Wednesday night youth meetings and things were always something that we were engaged in, probably not so much for me being an athlete and playing a lot of sports through middle school and into high school. It was often very difficult for me at times to get to youth events and youth happenings. But I remember vividly being in church almost every Sunday, and um, it was a very important part of my parents' life that was kind of instilled in all of us children. So kind of that's our background and backdrop. I can't say that my heart was always in the right place in those days, but uh, we were there, and we knew it was kind of part of our life.
0: Right. So you mentioned that you had that foundation, so to speak, even if it might not have caught on right away. When would you say, for the first time that you made that decision, that personal decision, to accept Him into your life or to commit your life to Him?
1: I think it was right around the summer of 1984 when I would have been baptized, and into the church and into the family. And I, I go back in my mind and in my heart and begin to think about, you know, what, was I really doing it for the right reason? Did I do it for the right reason at that time in my life? Or was I doing it more because I, everybody else was doing it? All the other teams, there was other teams that were being motivated and inspired. And I really do think in looking back on it, that it was an authentic experience that I knew the truth. I knew that I wasn't really living right at that time and had a lot of things and thoughts and all those things that go along with being a teenager in many instances. But I really do think that in retrospect, in looking back at that experience, that my motivation was I knew I needed something different, and I knew I needed the Lord in my life most importantly. And I think that through that, even though maybe some intentions weren't right or correct, he led me through that process.
0: Thank you for sharing that and, uh, without trying to reveal your age, you mentioned it was in 1984. <laughs> about how old were you or were you middle school, high school? Or about what age were you in that? I matter? was, I was
1: middle school. I was right in the, in the heart of middle school. Um, that would have been about seventh grade for me. <laughs> so being 48 now, I don't mind telling you I'm not embarrassed by it. That's just a number, but, um, it, it's something that's part of our life and our experience that I, I really do believe when we have those confrontations with the lord when his presence is really close and drawing us close that those things those times and even some dates i know that date for a lot of people and even in my own heart and life and mind you know you can't keep track of everything but i think regarding when we have those experiences really does concrete itself into us and it becomes almost like an event that we can't forget so
0: <laughs> right and uh kind of going off of that before i uh Keep going. Any other experiences from your growing up years that really stick out to you or really impacted you and the person you are today?
1: Well, I would say um, perhaps the foundation of faith in my parents. And it was really one of the things that stood out to me that would later come. And I know that we'll get into this in a bit, but what would later come that would really motivate me to make a recommitment even to the Lord after. Some of those years had passed between that and some young adult years that, uh, you know, I kind of drifted and kind of had some questions and all those things. But it was really the faith of my mom and my dad that really inspired me to kind of come back, come back to the roots. And uh, my dad, of course, for many years there in the Harrisonburg area had served on the bench in the courts. And just to see him walk a life of faith and walk through that journey in his position at that time was really a motivational thing for me. So I really feel like, and I know that everybody has their own experiences, and some aren't so good, and some are very good with their families. Uh, but when you have that kind of an example every day that you live with and you're growing up with, I really think it speaks volumes into what it can do in a teenager's mind or a young adult's mind, whether you're male or female or wherever you are in your faith, but when you have that example, it really kind of hits home.
0: Yeah, Pastor Porter, as you were talking, I could to relate to some of the things you were talking about, you know, about growing up with a strong foundation and having a mother and father who modeled the Christian lifestyle and really had an impact on me, as you were speaking, had an impact on you. And you talked about yes. that having an impact on you coming back and recommitting your life. What ultimately led to you recommitting your life and about when did that happen, if you want to share that?
1: Absolutely. From that time on, from being baptized and coming to a faith decision, I think getting into high school then in the aftermath of that and in the college experience. And, of course, you know, it's very easy to blame others, to try to throw excuses out, but I really did take, and I do take, and in retrospect look back upon some of the decisions that I made that weren't so good in that window of time between being about a 14-year-old and later when I would recommit, which happened in 1999 uh, over in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, of all places. The Lord just used an experience there to really kind of draw me back to himself. And some of that was just uh, having life issues and being busy and going to college. And and so through that period, through those years, it was murked. I, I can never say I really walked away. I never turned away from him. But some other things had kind of come into my life that got priority. And so my priorities needed to be rearranged. And I'm just grateful that later that God used the experience and people. And, and again, my mom and dad were very instrumental in this and kind of knowing and seeing that there was something in my life that was just – there was just a vacuum there. I, maybe I knew the Lord. I had been baptized. I made a salvation decision. But the drift had kind of taken me out. And he used them, he used himself and the Holy Spirit and other two in that time frame to bring me back. And uh, mom and dad were certainly a part of that, even when I was 28 years old. <laughs> so uh, just grateful for his presence and his willingness to never give up
0: on me. Well, thank you for sharing that, Pastor Porter. And uh, you mentioned that after college... Um, You married your wife, Angela. So tell us, and I mentioned that you're a pastor, but you haven't always been a pastor. So tell us a little bit about your family and what you did before you went into the ministry.
1: Absolutely. Be glad to. After I graduated college, kind of worked a couple of different jobs in and around Harrisonburg, one in retail, one that was actually in a tourist type of environment, and really kind of just drifted a little bit through a couple different positions to find out what it really was I was going to do and what I was trained to do with an education in economics and business administration. So about six or eight months after two different jobs, I had found a job that worked in Teneco there in Harrisonburg and worked there for several years. And in that interim period, met my wife, Angela. We actually met in 1993, in the summer of 93, we're married in March of 1994. And, uh, it's just become clear that the Lord had brought her into my life at such a time as that for what He wanted to do with us. And so I worked several different positions with Teneco, took another job, um, down in the Weiris Cave area after that for a few years with Packaging Services Incorporated. And then was, uh, actually found another job as a management official, uh, plant management uh, position up in the Winchester, Virginia area. So was commuting from Harrisonburg up into the Winchester area every day, sometimes six days a week, to work at Corrugated Container. And um, through that process of working in manufacturing in the manufacturing centers, the Lord kept working and tugging upon my heart through that process. And that went on for about 11 to 12 years. And um, he was just kind of forming things in me as a 22, 23-year-old at that time, not really giving up on me at all, but allowing me to do that to kind of solidify the family and to really, at some point, which he would reveal to me, get back into the church. And so it was a it was a real great learning experience and um, a lot of great and fond memories and working in that environment and through that process. But there was always that seed in me that knew there was something more that God wanted to do.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Brother Porter, and it sounds like God used that time to help draw you back to him and bring you back to the church. If you would like to share, I know uh, you have some kids, so if you'd like to share about your kids.
1: I will, and one of the interesting things I want to make mention of real quick, Grayson, is when I was still in the manufacturing sector, toward the end it was about two or maybe two to two and a half years before the Lord kind of put a call And a recommitment and all that stuff began to start happening in my life. I met a man by the name of Roger Dove. I know you know Roger, right? Right, (laughs) Yes. And and it was before both of us had been really called or, uh, you know, I think that God was going to do something in our lives, but he was working and I was working both at that time in the secular world of it all. And it was just amazing how God, uh, in that period of time over those few years really just unloaded and was really present and just a force that I felt like both of us couldn't get away from. <laughs> and so even before I was ever even full-time called into the ministry or sent um, by his goodness and grace, he had already started building relationships. And uh, certainly the other one was with our relationship with the Harrisonburg Church there, which um, was just a confirmation for me of what God was really going to do in our life. We do have four boys through the process. Our oldest right now is 22 and uh, he will be graduating from Treveka Nazarene University this May. And our youngest is 13 who is an eighth grader here in, at the Crystal Coast at the Newport Middle School. And then our other two sons in the middle, <laughs> the middle boys, our second son Jacob is up in the Boone area getting ready to transfer into Appalachian State University. And our third son Shane is a sophomore at west carter high school so we've had that blessing upon us too
0: well uh thank you for sharing that with us brother porter and uh you mentioned uh meeting pastor roger and that sounds like uh not a coincidence but kind of a divine meeting yes. or appointment that the lord had for you especially with beginning to maybe put ministry on your heart talk about yes. that call to ministry absolutely
1: the call For me, and I know everybody's call, whether you're a missionary, a pastor, an evangelist, a staff member, everybody's call does not look or feel the same. Uh, The experience is always different, and the Lord is always behind it, but I I really think that he uses the things that will impact us the most to reach, which will speak loudest to us as well, so that we make sure and we are certain it's his voice and his will and not our own. And so my call Really started when I recommitted my life in Gatlinburg, Tennessee at a family fest event that my parents had actually pushed us towards. And Angela and I had had at that point, two of our sons were very young. Our first two were very young. And we had been working for about a year and a half without any real type of vacation to get away, to go away. And so they extended an invitation for us to go to a family fest event in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is a, at that time was an annual Christian event. And, Christian artists and songwriters and praise and worship people and speakers would come and it was right there at the Gatlinburg Convention Center and a huge group from Harrisonburg would go every year and there was a couple empty tickets or somebody couldn't go and we were invited and during that experience over that Memorial Day weekend in 1999, that's when I recommitted myself in front of about five or 6,000 people to the Lord and what he wanted to do. So the call I really feel going back is that he used that experience and the people around me to really build up what he was going to later do, which was begin to prepare me for the ministry. And I just remember being more than anything over that weekend and the weeks that followed deeply humbled and grateful that even I, uh, somebody with all the things I had in my background, some of the baggage and things that, you know, I just couldn't come over that even I could be used by the Lord was just a, a huge thing. And I sensed from that time forward that he was going to do it. And if he was going to do it, he would make available all the people, all the resources, all the schooling, all the education, all the training. And in those years that followed, about three years that followed, he did just that. So just a very humbling experience.
0: Right. It's cool looking back on things that we might not realize at the time, or even if we do realize, yes. we don't see the whole picture like God does, right. about how he right. uses things for certain reasons, uh, whether it be to call somebody in a ministry or to lead them, to a certain place to impact somebody's life or whatever that might be Precisely. Um, so and I believe and, uh, when it comes to ministry uh, dad had a little bit to do with that and uh, yeah. so if you want to share that story I won't give that away
1: yeah that's great I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to if you didn't ask <laughs> this is kind of all within our time with the Harrisonburg Church and your dad Terry Willis who was just very instrumental and really in the process of all of these things happening, Angela and I had known for probably about a year that one of the things that God was calling us to do was to seek out and search for a church home, a place where we could anchor, uh, put our feet down, someone who would accept us, but also challenge us. And oftentimes, you know, even when we're very young in our faith or we are new Christian, we don't think of the challenge factor very much because. We don't like it, typically, in our, in our humanity. Uh, we don't like to be challenged. But as we grow spiritually, I think that we expect and want God to challenge us. And the Word tells us that he puts us to the test. And so we know that part of that is stepping out, coming to a place of knowing that we need a family, a people, a community around us, because there are things in life that I know that God wants us to be surrounded by, people who love us who will challenge us and be there for us. And the church is just that. And so we were searching for that summer that followed that May event in 1999. We had gone looking out and came upon the Harrisonburg Church of the Nazarene. And at that Sunday service that morning, I will never forget it. I remember it like it happened yesterday. That's how deeply embedded it is in my soul. I knew at the end of that service that was where God wanted us. And for seven years that followed... Harrisonburg Church of the Nazarene and Pastor Kerry Willis and the whole staff and all the people were family to us in those seven years. People that showed up when there were situations and life events and happenings that were going on within our own family, whether it was my sister or my father and his untimely passing or just the call of God that came. And Kerry, he was able to walk me through that and help me with that. And I I believe God strongly gave Kerry a vision. what he was going to do in my life and he tells that story about going up the stairwell after a wednesday night service and i think the burden of down here the people here from this area in his home county in his home area was on his heart and burning on his heart and he was wondering who would go and take care of his people while he's up in harrisonburg taking care of really my people because those are people that i've known and grew up with in the area i grew up with And he tells the story that uh the lord put my face on his heart and When he first shared that with me, which was, I believe, the day after, that was a burning ember in my soul, that that was confirmation that the Lord was calling me out of the secular world, the world that he had planted me in and given me great experience with, but that there was something much bigger. And so as a mentor, having Terry Willis as a mentor was certainly God-ordained, and having the first church people and family and staff and everybody associated with that church as a backbone, I think, gave us strength that we might not have otherwise had anywhere else. And we love you all and have appreciated y'all and enjoy still visiting when we can to get back up there and see everybody. So, again, Grayson, I'm deeply humbled, grateful, blown away, still very in awe of what God has done and what he continues to do.
0: Amen, Brother Porter. We love you. uh, We love you, too. As you were talking, you mentioned that we all have trials, and I know that that has uh, rang true in y'all's life and uh, you mentioned uh, your youngest son Eli if you want to share a little bit about um, yeah. his story and some of the struggles yeah. that you dealt with with him
1: back in I uh, see I'm going back in my mind here and about January and again this is this is kind of the way God is and how he works if we will just let him but back in January of 2012 Eli was going through at that time he was five years old he was going through about a two to three month season of real medical uncertainty. My wife predominantly, but myself as well, we had run him at that point to a couple different hospitals in Greenville and in Durham. We had taken him to a few different surgeons and pediatric doctors. We'd even taken him to orthodontists and dentists because he was really not feeling well. He was having massive pains on his whole left side. He had what I would call a baseball-size growth on his left jaw. And we originally thought, you know, as, as it was getting bigger, it was an impacted tooth. Something was happening with him orally, And so we began to rule things out and waiting for doctor's offices and appointments. There was about a two-month window. We were really just concerned and couldn't get answers. So we eventually took him to a pediatric oncology doctor up in the Greenville area, Vidant here in, in the eastern part of North Carolina. And upon getting him in there and running some scans, a, a CT scan and then a PET scan, which is kind of a newer way that they do things, that shows even more we had learned that he actually had cancer. And so we found out in February of 2012, and immediately they wanted to send him to Chapel Hill, UNC Chapel Hill, which down here is one of the leading institutions, of course, in North Carolina for childhood cancer. And so we waited about three days after arriving at Chapel Hill for the official diagnosis, and he was diagnosed with lymphoma, B-cell lymphoma, and it's a limblastic form. that kind of parallels a lot with leukemia. They show up a lot of the same ways, but lymphoma attacks the lymph nodes and spreads quickly, just like leukemia comes into the bloodstream and spreads quickly. So we were really concerned, and there for about three to four months after that diagnosis, Eli spent most of that time at Chapel Hill for his treatment plan and protocols, and we really didn't know in those first several weeks whether he was going to make it or not. And so the impact of that, and it continues because cancer, as you know, as everybody who listens knows, there's always the possibility that it's going to come back, and oftentimes when it does come back after treatment, um, it can be far worse than it was initially. And so it's been a seven- to eight-year journey now. Um, since about 2015, he's been in remission, so we praise the Lord Thank for you. that. It, yes, there has been nothing that's come back. He still goes twice a year, and they do tests and cultures and make sure that there's nowhere in his body that it's showing back up. But we give God the glory, and uh, we knew that he had a will in it all. It taxed us in more ways than I can count, physically, spiritually, financially, I mean, just in every area of life. But we knew that God had a plan in it, and God's in control. And really through the process, we saw the love of God in a way, uh, in a means, in, in different avenues that we had never seen it before, from people praying all over the world. I mean, just incredible for Eli. I mean, you know, our son, and who are we? And people were finding out about us and sending cards letting us know they were praying in different remote parts of the world and connected us to a family and other families that were going through the same experience because... Sometimes you need that. You need that support surrounding you as well. And so we give the praise to God and knew he had a plan all along. But it was an experience for us that really kind of solidified us as a family and just gave real testimony to the family of God that was around us. Even from up there in Harrisonburg, so many people uh, would say things and call and text and send cards. It was just a heart-moving experience despite what we were going through at that time and despite what Eli was facing at that time.
0: Well, uh, Porter, thank you for being vulnerable and being willing to share that. And like you said, you know that God had a plan, but I know it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for you and Angela or Eli or your family. So just talk about somebody's listening and they have a child going through a a sickness or illness or a hard time. Just what helped you guys get through that? And what is still, I know we're still praying for Eli and pray that he continues to be in remission. Yes.
1: I think the biggest thing, Grayson, regarding that is just to not give up. The times and those seasons of life when you have a challenge, and um, we see it in our community all the time, too, and I know you see it up there in Harrisonburg and whoever's listening, wherever they're located, it's just different things in different places, but pain and torment and heartbreak and um, not understanding the whole thing, I think is the biggest thing, is that sometimes... in And I'm guilty of this, too, initially with Eli, of why and how and wanting to know how these things can occur and why they happen to us. And really through that process, it became less and less about that and more and more importantly about the presence of God and including God and praying to God and finding people around you that you can talk to and open up with. And sometimes those questions, as hard as it is to say, we just don't know, sometimes the answer is, we just don't know why or how, but we know who's in control. And so in the pain and in the mourning and grief, and even when Eli was at Chapel Hill, we knew that you know the statistics regarding some of the cancer diagnosis are not good. And even if it's pediatrics and they're young, there are certain cancers that there's very little they can still do to treat. And so we were seeing families every week or every month we were there for treatment that did not have good prognosis. And being able to witness to them and, and love on them, And to be there for each other was meant so much. Even though you can't heal a heart, we turned to the Lord and would ask him to bring healing to it. So just don't lose faith if there's a family or a person struggling that really doesn't know or who has lost a child or a loved one. Just find those people and those resources around you that accept you and are willing to pray for you and be available to you. And that's what we can do um, as Christians.
0: Amen, Brother Porter. I can't even imagine that, but uh, thank you for such a testimony of faith and such encouragement to hear how God is using your life and using Eli's life and your family's life. Just as we get toward the end here, um, if you would like to share what God's doing right now in the Bridgeway Church in Beaufort and uh, how He's using you and how long you've been there. Yes, Brother. It's
1: a humbling thing. Again, I use that word, but It truly is to think that we're coming up on 13 years of ministry here. And so one of the questions that, you know, sometimes people want to know is how long are you going to be here (laughs) or how long are you going to stay here? And I tell people, and it's really, you know, some people are like uh, just inquiring minds want to know or, or something because, The typical pastoral stay across denominations and families in the country is, you know, somewhere between three and four, maybe four and a half years now. And so when you go about three or four times longer than that, it kind of beats the averages. (laughs) So I tell them, as as long as the Lord will allow me to, as long as the Lord wants me here. And so we just keep plugging the mission forward and trying to push our ministries forward. And so whether that's uh, our ministries internally or externally, uh, the in-reach or the outreach, We just continually try to fulfill Jesus' command to go into all the world, which starts here locally, goes regionally, and then goes globally, and to really find ways to bridge to future generations. So one of the things that we're doing this year that's really exciting is allowing the Lord to really open up the doors and the windows and avenues to begin a preschool here at Bridgeway Church. And it's something we've never done. The church has never done in its past, but we've been exploring it. We have a, a whole team committed to putting all the ingredients together to prayer, to seeking directors, to seeking teachers, to the facilities. We have an awesome team that's really involved in trying to catapult this to the next level, which would be a late fall start to a preschool to be able to help families and minister to families that have two-, three-, and four-year-olds and really start that generation, those kids, out on a firm foundation. And so we're excited about that opportunity. We're excited about some of the things he's opening up within our ministries here at the church as well, that are drawing some young adults in. And that generation of, you know, the 20-year-olds, which as you get older, it's harder to reach unless you're a 20-year-old, but we've been able to bring in um, a worship pastor, and we also um, are hoping to curtail on that with a young adult ministries pastor as well. So God is just really good. If we will just allow him to lead and we'll follow him and be a part of his will, he's just willing to do whatever for us. And his church, which he died for, to grow it and to see it thrive and we're grateful for it so
0: amen pastor porter yeah. thank you for sharing that it sounds like yeah, brother uh, exciting days there at bridgeway church of the nazarene
1: yes thank you grayson i yeah. appreciate it
0: brother thanks for serving there i actually was born in beaufort north carolina and lived there the first five years of my life thank you for being yeah. willing to serve the community there
1: hey man we're humbled to be here and um, I, I have to say this in closing here. I remember seeing you, man, when you were just a young kid <laughs> at the Harrisonburg Church and just how your family was so solidified in the Lord. I want you to know, and your sister and your mom and your dad, how much that encouraged us when we were following up there and seeing you all live this life. And so just know, brother, how much you witnessed to us in those days, those Late 90s, early 2000 days, even when you were a little bit younger than you are now. That's all right. I was, too.
0: <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Pastor Porter, and we'll continue yeah, to pray for you and your family. Thank you for joining me on Front Porch Talks today.
1: Hey, I'm humbled, brother. God bless you, Grace, and thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I pray that Pastor Porter Graves' testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Trump Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.